This is Doing Translational Research, a podcast from the Bronfenbrenner Center for Translational Research in the College of Human Ecology at Cornell University. So welcome to this, uh, this version of Doing Translational Research podcast. Uh, my name is Chris Wildeman. I am the director of the Bronfenbrenner Center for Translational Research. Um, and our guest today is Bruce Western, um, who's a professor of sociology and co-director of the Justice Lab at Columbia University. Um, he also, incidentally, was my advisor in graduate school, so I may ask him a couple exceptionally mean questions just to liven things up a little bit. Um, Bruce has done a ton of really interesting work on mass incarceration, in addition to some of his earlier work that was on inequality, um, and especially the role that labor unions can play in ameliorating inequality. Um, his new book, which he's here at Cornell to talk about, is called Homeward, Life in the Year After Prison. Um, Bruce has won too many awards to list, so we're just going to dive right in today, but welcome and thanks for coming up. Thanks for having me, Chris. So... The first thing I'd like to do is just have you kind of summarize what you think of as your main research interests and sort of what the core questions you're trying to answer are. Um, as we just talked about before, your research agenda has really changed in the last 25 or 30 years. And so if you wanted to talk a bit about how things have changed over time, that would be great too. Yeah. I, I, I guess at the most general level, I've been uh, interested over my whole career, uh, about uh, problems of uh, poverty and economic inequality and uh, how institutions uh, uh, structure uh, structure poverty and inequality. And I guess my interest in those institutions has changed over time. I was uh, uh, really focused on labour markets and labour unions in... Uh, in, in graduate school and after graduate school, and uh, and I was I was a comparativist uh, initially. I was working on uh, Western Europe and comparing Western Europe to uh, North America. Uh, I think I got to a point where uh, I really wanted to uh, work on American problems. I was. Uh, I'd sort of reconciled myself to the fact that I was uh, living here now, and, uh, and I, uh, as a uh, as a as a citizen and a uh, a sociologist, I want to understand American uh, society better. I, uh, uh, the criminal justice system uh, in America uh, occupies such an unusual place in the lives of disadvantaged people. I think uh, that's why I was drawn uh, uh, to working on the problem of mass incarceration and uh, and criminal justice. Uh, and uh, for many years, I was trying to understand uh, the scope of the problem of mass incarceration, its demographic contours, and its effects on uh, American social and economic inequality. Uh, I I was uh, trained as a quantitative social scientist, and I spent a lot of time uh, analysing big social science data sets. I think um, over time uh, I got to a point where I wasn't convinced those big data sets were really helping me understand 
the social process uh, by which people left prison and returned to communities and the place of criminal justice involvement in in family life and community life. And so I thought I needed to study that problem in a different way. Uh, I think as I was learning more and more about the extent of the criminal justice system in the lives of uh, poor people, the, the the problem gained more and more moral urgency uh, for me and I thought it was important to uh, try and uh, play some sort of role in public conversations and policy conversations about uh, justice in America. And so if I had to say, you know, what, what's my research program uh, about now or what's, a, what's my work about now, I think it's... Uh, it's very much about trying to understand and uh, uh, expand, uh, I think, the parameters of justice of, in uh, in the lives of disadvantaged people. Great. And you've one of the things that I think has been interesting about your research trajectory is you started with imprisonment in terms of the mass incarceration literature. So you're really focused on this kind of very strong treatment, I feel like is how you described it to me at some point. And now you've moved to looking at much lower level encounters with the criminal justice system as well. So could you talk a little bit about how kind of that range of experience has made you think differently about the criminal justice system? Yeah, yeah. So I've two projects now, um, a whole bunch of projects actually in in some ways but uh, so uh, two projects now that uh, are not focused on prisons but uh, are looking at uh, different parts of the criminal justice system so uh, Deva Pager and I uh, have a study where we're looking at fines and fees in a misdemeanor court in uh, Oklahoma City Uh, and in Oklahoma City, if you're a misdemeanor offended, uh, defendant, and, and these are by and large very poor people, often struggling with mental illness, homelessness, uh, untreated drug addiction, um, if you're in misdemeanor court down there, uh, you're paying uh, court fees, you're paying prosecution fees, you're paying jail fees, and uh, you'll come out of your misdemeanor case with about $2,000 of debt uh, and uh, you, your income is very, very low uh, to begin with. Many, many more people uh, get misdemeanors uh, than get felony offences. So the footprint of uh, that lower-level justice involvement is much, much larger uh, than imprisonment. Uh, another project uh, looking at jail incarceration and I mean, you and I both know the statistics uh, very well. 600,000 people go uh, to prison each year, but about 10 million people go to jail uh, each year. And so there's a large research project uh, uh, that's focused uh, on the problem of mass incarceration and prisons in uh, American society. But I feel there's a, a new wave of research that in many cases is being led by some really great younger scholars uh, that are studying this much larger footprint of uh, what is really a very punitive way 
of doing justice at all different levels of the system at significantly lower uh, levels of severity than felony offending. Great. It's really, it's very interesting. Um, one of the things that we're especially interested in here in the Translational Research Center is thinking about how folks engage with community partners, but also how folks engage with the government sort of more broadly. And so I know that you've been working closely with New York City, so it would be really interesting to hear a little bit about how those collaborations have gone and then also to hear about sort of how your work has engaged with community partners. Yeah. I mean, New York is um, it's really interesting. Uh, uh, in many ways, uh, I think New York City is, uh, uh, is on the, the cutting edge of criminal justice reform in, uh, in the country. Uh, if we go back to 92 or 93, uh, there were about 22,000 people in Rikers Island Jail in New York City, the big jail in, uh, in New York. They've cut the population to 8,000. Uh, and uh, the mayor uh, has announced that he wants to close the jail. Uh, so there's been this radical deinstitutionalization uh, in in New York uh, uh, that's very unusual, and I think uh, should be a model uh, should be a model for the country. Of course, criminal justice it's uh, it's always a complicated story, and uh, it's. Uh, it's not a criminal justice paradise by uh, by any means, and there are uh, serious strains between police and communities uh, in in New York, particularly uh, communities of colour. And yet, something very important uh, has happened there with reductions in the number of people under uh, under supervision. There's a great office uh, in New York City, the Mayor's Office of Criminal Justice who are interested in working with researchers, being in uh, dialogue with uh, researchers uh, so as uh, to develop policy in a way uh, that will uh, provide safe, healthy communities uh, uh, with a small criminal justice footprint. And uh, I think that is a very encouraging philosophy. And so the Justice Lab at uh, Columbia uh, is working with the Mayor's Office of Criminal Justice on uh, a variety of projects, uh, in, including their campaign to close Rikers. A colleague, uh, Vinnie Schiraldi, is, uh, is working with the city on uh, moving young people uh, out of the jail and uh, the age of uh, majority jurisdiction has, has increased in, uh, in New York, and Vinnie is working on that as well. So there's a lot of granular sort of stuff uh, that we're working on, but I think the, the, the big picture is um, there is an, an openness at Mokche to working with researchers and we share similar aspirations for a smaller system and for community health and safety to be provided much more by the social resources of the community itself rather than through the coercive agency of police and courts and jails and prisons. Great. Um, so you, you've mentioned a couple of things that I think folks might find surprising about the criminal justice system, so sort of facts that um, 
that you know from your research. I, I guess if there were sort of two or three things that you'd want someone in the general public to know better than you think they do about the criminal justice system, what would those couple things be? Yeah, I think uh, if I could pick out three things, uh, they would be people who have uh, gone to prison in many cases uh, for serious crimes have been exposed to violence in different ways uh, over their entire lives and their earliest exposure uh, to violence oftentimes was uh, as victims uh, of violence and in many cases witnessed to serious violence in the homes uh, that they grew up in. Uh, so we're punishing people uh, very harshly uh, who themselves have very serious histories of victimisation and we have not begun to take stock of the ethical implications of that social fact. Uh, I think that's fundamentally important uh, to understand. Uh, the second thing is that people are in poor health. People in the criminal justice system uh, in many cases uh, struggling with uh, untreated uh, addiction, untreated mental illness. I think that is reasonably well understood. People are in poor physical health as well. Uh, high rate of disability, uh, high rate of chronic disease, chronic pain. Uh, and this, uh, I think, uh, should affect how we think about uh, how we intervene in the lives of uh, people who have harmed others, knowing uh, what we know uh, uh, about uh, what I think of as their uh, human frailty. Uh, third thing is that people who go to prison are really poor, and uh, they're pretty poor before they went to prison, they're pretty poor after they went to prison. In the Boston reentry study, uh, median income in the first year after prison uh, was about $6,000, which is uh, uh, a, a level of uh, disadvantage that uh, researchers call deep poverty, about half the federal poverty line uh, for an individual living, uh, living alone. Uh, and we have to take that uh, into account too. So we're focusing incredible resources uh, devoted to punishment on people who are very poor, in poor health, uh, who have known uh, a lot of violence in their lives uh, and significantly as victims and, and witnesses to violence. Great. Those are three things that I think most folks don't know, even if they are familiar with the system. So I think it's great to think about getting those things out there more. Um, so the, the last question I have for you, and we don't have enough time for me to ask you my mean questions to get back at you. Next time. S next time, <laughs> exactly. Well, during your introduction very shortly, actually. <laughs> um, so what's the, what's the sort of one real-world kind of policy change that your research has made you think about? And if it's a criminal justice change, that's fine. But, I mean, I know we've had conversations about broader social policies, not just about criminal justice policy. So if you want to stray beyond that, that's fine too. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, at, a, uh, at a general level, uh, we need an alternative public policy response uh, to the violence and other harm that's concentrated in very disadvantaged communities. What's the, the one thing, if, if I could change one thing, uh, it would be far fewer people have to be uh, incarcerated. And 
and sent to prison. We're so far out of our own historical norms, uh, out of the uh, the rate at which we've historically in, incarcerated people over the course of the 20th century. We're so far out of whack uh, compared to international norms. Uh, if there's one thing to change, we have to significantly reduce the rate of incarceration in the United States. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time, and thanks for coming out to, to give a lecture tonight. Thanks a lot, Chris. For more information about translational research or the work of the Bronfenbrenner Center, please visit www.bctr.cornell.edu.